do you have sorry i don't know if you're recording it are you recording yeah <laughs> never mind i won't interrupt it's okay no, or you can cut it out i was just gonna that? ask if you had um the old podcast that we did together still oh yeah yeah you should send that my way what up mi gente it's vero fuerte yo the Pratar americano aka mexican natsu and we're here to help you navigate the world as two hispanics latinos latinx brown people what are we again well, that's what we're here to discover on the In the Spanish podcast. Each week, you'll listen in on two millennial minorities chop it up on what it means to navigate both cultures on and off the internet. Along with the latest in music, movies, and more. Here, here on, on the, the In Living, Living Spanglish, Spanglish podcast. podcast. Hey, yo. What's up? You already know what it is. Another week, another episode. But you may be thinking, why is it me and not that other voice that you usually hear coming through your, your headphones or your, or your car stereo, whatever it may be. Either way, it's still in limit Spanglish. It's your boy, Ricardo Mexicano, Mexican Natsu, Baby R, R Baby. Everything, you already know what it is, man. It's the vibes. You know, it's everything. Uh, Veronica Vettel, she is uh currently away she couldn't be here she couldn't make it but you know sending all our love all our support you know whatever it may be but in her place is a very uh dear amazing intelligent everything uh nice i could probably say about her uh you want to introduce yourself uh yeah um hi uh my name's rebecca nahara um i've been friends with veronica and ricardo for a couple of years now, um, we met in junior college and um, have been on and off in touch ever since, really. Um, shit, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. I'm so sorry. No, that's um, fine. But um, I'm really excited to be here on the show. Um, I've actually done a podcast with Ricardo before, so this is nice. It's like a reunion. That one that one lonely um no no you, you that, that was like probably like one of the best podcasts we did and we talked about power rangers because that's when the power rangers movie came out did and, we uh yeah briefly. did we talk about power rangers yeah we talked about power rangers and we talked about a know. lot of stuff because it was you it was barbara another old friend from uh from college and it was me isaiah jacob and it was like and it was like con- I, well the one thing i remember is that there was people constantly coming in and out of the room so you can hear like doors just slamming you right. can hear like people like screaming like like hey I'm looking for such and such it was just it was just chaotic that one episode but it was y'all too and I feel like there was somebody else in there too was Marshall in there no I think he I think he may no I don't think he was no he we did have a separate episode with Marshall remember that one did you ever listen to that one I feel like I might have but it's been so long ago like I couldn't tell you yeah like, it, what y'all talked it about was, it was we were talking about, what did we talk about I can't remember what I talked about Marshall it was a good episode because it was like maybe episode two or three. Uh, for people who don't know, this is the Minority Agenda podcast that me and uh, a friend, uh, Isaiah and Jacob, we did this back in like 2017. It's still going on now, by the way. The the, the revamped version mm-hmm. is still going on. So please go check out Minority Agenda if you have a chance. Isaiah's but, been on the show before, too. Yes, Isaiah has been on the show before. So if you heard that episode, then you would recognize him. So, yeah, but I do like that episode a lot. If that one and the episode with Aji are probably like my favorite episode that I remember recording. Mm-hmm. back then just because they were just so the Audrey one was interesting because i feel like her just not just not to like you know get too personal with her but you know she's uh she's originally from africa and and was going to to school with us at um 
at, in Tyler, Texas, at, at Tyler Junior College. And uh, I've never met anybody from, I met people from Africa, but I never met anybody from Gambia, mm-hmm. from where she was from. So to hear like her story and her upbringing was like really interesting, really fascinating. That's why I like that episode. And then the episode with you, like I said, was just chaotic. It's so chaotic. It was fun. I was, it was terrified, but it was fun. It was. So. No. You know what made it crazy? That's what it was. Cause it was a day. It was a, it was a few days after Tippa. That's what oh. it was. <laughs> That's what it was. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. then. And then, like, all, like, the stuff that ensued that we won't get into because that would take way too long. Yeah, that would take a long time. It was, it was a good time. It was yeah. a wild time. But um, I want to make a quick announcement. This is technically our last episode for the season. Not ever. You know, I want to I stress that. Last episode for the season. We're kind of trying to divvy things up into, like, seasons. So, like, 15 episodes, you know, whatever it may be, roundabout number for season one and about 15 for season, this is episode 15 for season two. Uh, we're going to be taking a break for about a month. Uh, in between that, we'll, we'll be uploading things consistently on social media. So please be on the lookout for that. But there will be no podcast episode for the next four to five weeks. So we'll be a um, little, you know, tucked away, kind of revamped. But, you know, just taking a break, you know, because, you know, everybody needs that. Yeah, and it's not that we're burnt. It's not that we're burned out, but. You know, we need really need like time to like come up with like newer ideas and just really collect and and just see what we want to do in the future. So, got the intro out the way. Usually at this point we'll be doing Latin X birthdays, but we want to take a little twist on Latin X birthdays and dedicate this one to Vettel to Veronica because uh, at the time we'll be recording this, her birthday will be next week. Next Thursday on May thirteenth. So happy birthday, happy future birthday yeah. to you. Happy future birthday, Veronica. Yeah. But. Um, yeah, it's really weird. <laughs> uh, this is this part where you say like, "Woo, congratulations!" Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Milestone. Not really. It's not really a milestone. She's still in her twenties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, late twenties. But yeah, it's it's still a milestone regardless. Uh, but happy birthday. Uh, love you, kid. You're the best. And I'll see you on freaking Monday, I think, or Tuesday, whenever you come back. I'll see you soon, sometime, hopefully, yeah. before I go. Um, yeah, happy birthday. Really happy for you, I guess. Congratulations yeah. on making yeah. it this far. All that. Um, all the good things. Exactly. <laughs> so let's move into you. It's really weird. Saying <laughs> that was that. a weird thing. It is. <laughs> it sounds like, like we're about to give a, a full-on uh, therapy session. I mean, yeah, maybe. It, yeah, might maybe. as well be. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> So, for people who don't um, know you, who may be listening, which I'm, I'm just gonna go on, go on a limb and say, probably most people won't know who you are. Yeah, probably everyone. Yeah. <laughs> so, can you explain briefly? Um, let's start from the beginning. Like my last name. Yeah. Much. So, so just explain kind of like your background, I guess, because your your last name doesn't really, I guess, do you justice of like who you are. Uh, so maybe give some context. So, um, yeah, um, as I mentioned earlier, Ricardo and Veronica and I, like we all met in junior college. We were all studying in the journalism department. Um, Ricardo was, you know, a broadcast guy. Veronica, I think, was like public relations. Mm-hmm. And then I was um, just regular, like writing journalism. Um, so we were all in different sections, but we all, you know, worked together as a really small group, got to know each other. And then um, I transferred to a four year university got my bachelor's, uh, kind of panicked about the real world and, uh, stayed in school a little longer and got my master's. Um, it was a really stressful situation or I guess time. Um, but I did it. And during that time I, um, 
I did student media with like Ricardo and Veronica at that school. And then I transferred to this school where I also uh, took part in student media and things like that and really built my resume. And um, now I'm finally at the age of 24, starting my first big girl job in journalism. And um, I got hired with this thing called Report for America, which for those of you who aren't really um, up to date on like journalism or like really in tune with that world, um, Report for America is um, pretty much like this initiative. Um, I don't really want to compare it to the military, but you know how like the military like deploys people and like sends them off to different sections. That's kind of what Report for America does with journalists. Um, it deploys journalists to different parts of the country, um, including in like territories like Guam and like Puerto Rico. And um, pretty much where like news coverage is lacking in some areas or needs improvement or there's news deserts, journalists are sent there and they're like contracted to, um, you know, work and like improve the news there. So, so is it like freelancing? Um, it's not freelancing. Like you have a contract. Okay. Like, you're going to be there for a year. Everyone, uh, you have a year contract with the chance to renew for a second year, sometimes even a third year. And whether or not you get to stay on there full time is kind of up to your host newsroom. Okay. Um, so for me... Um, I'm not getting sent that far away from where we currently are recording this, but um, I'll be moving to Oklahoma in a couple of weeks um, and working in Oklahoma City covering race and equity at the Oklahoma Watch. I don't know if I want to put that in there, but, you know, um, the Oklahoma Watch <laughs> and I'll be doing it's an investigative nonprofit. So I'm really excited for that, um, but also really terrified. Um, but, you know, we'll see how it goes. It's the next adventure. So, of course, I'm going to be nervous, but. Yeah. You grow outside your comfort zone. Yeah, exactly. Like, what do you, what do you like really expecting to like really get out of it as far as like, yeah, like you said, getting out of your comfort zone? Like, what do you want to like achieve? Like, you know, whether it be like small term or long term kind of goals? I think I just want to be more confident in who I am as a, as far as journalism goes. Cause I feel like my entire time in school, I'm like, oh, I'm not as good as this person. I'm not as good as that person. But I was literally doing all the good things that so many of these other people do. And Report for America, that was a really competitive you know, uh, job, like they only hired 300 people, roughly one in 18 applicants got hired. So I'm like, oh shit, like this is over like a thousand people applied. And like, I was selected someone who doesn't really have professional experience outside of student media. So maybe I'm not as bad as I think, but it's still like the voices in your head, you know, saying like, you're not good enough or whatever. I just want to fish, like finally, like be confident, like, yes, I know what I'm doing. Yes. I'm a good journalist. Yes. I know what I'm talking about. Um, so I'm just hoping to like get more confident in myself, but also like taking me out of the picture. I'm hoping to help that community as cheesy as it sounds, because that publication has not had a race and equity beat. And in the last year, you know, they've gone through a lot of change. They went through an editor change. And like during that editor change was um, or shortly after well, it happened shortly after the death of George Floyd. And then, you know, the uprising of the racial justice movement in the United States and things like that and stuff like that needs to be covered more in depth. And that newsroom was also lacking in diversity. So now they're going to have a person of color, me, biracial, um, in the newsroom to cover that stuff. But I'm also terrified of that because of my situation, I guess, with um, who I am, I guess, like me being biracial. Because for those of you that don't know me, um, Ricardo already knows this, but um, so my last name is Nahara or Nahara. I don't know how to pronounce it Na- anymore. I, I, when I see it, I say Nahara. Okay, so, so I'm going to say you're correct. So I say I say Nahara, but it doesn't matter because like, yeah, you could be biracial, but like, let's say you grew up in freaking uh, Peru 
and you look the way you do. I mean, you're you're still that, that's like that. You know, it's weird. You know, and that's that's why this is so um, important to talk about when it comes to like Hispanics and stuff like that because it doesn't matter how, what you look like. If you have a, a Spanish looking last name, that that really doesn't mean anything. Yeah, you can be from anywhere and have like a Spanish last name, but you can possibly not be, you know, indigenous white blood or you know indigenous black, whatever it may be, you know. Right. So. Well, but anyways, yeah. if you see my name on paper, you're like, oh, that's going to be a Hispanic person. Yeah. And um, I actually grew up thinking I was uh, half Hispanic. My mother is a white woman. And uh, I grew up for the longest time thinking my father was a Mexican man. So my I have an older brother and an older sister. And um, they're a little bit older than like a little bit like kind of significantly older than me. My sister's seven years older. My brother's five years older. And uh, my brother is also autistic. Um, my parents' marriage was kind of not really the best or anything. Um, not to like air out their dirty laundry. It's whatever. People make mistakes. Um, this is part of being human. Um, so they were off and on a lot, sometimes cheating and things like that. My mom hooked up with a man who was black. And then um, I guess her and my dad, quote unquote, got back together and she went to actually go get put on birth control. She went to the doctor because she wanted to be on birth control. And uh, the doc comes out and was like, well, I can't give you this. And she's like, what? Why? Like, what's going on? He's like, well, you're already pregnant. So um, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. And she's like, oh, shit. Like, can I say that on this? Okay. She's like, oh, shit. Like, I'm pregnant? How long have I been pregnant? Because uh, <laughs> the time frame here, like, I don't know who the dad it is. It ain't adding up. Yeah. It, it ain't adding up, son. <laughs> and, um. So my mom was in a predicament because, um, you know, she had to worry about my my brother and sister who were five and seven um, and keeping a roof over their head while dealing with, uh, you know, the drama and like trying to figure out who it was. My mom, uh, she's very pro. She's very pro-life. That's not a that's not a thing. Like getting rid of me was not <laughs> was not even on the radar for her, which I guess. Thanks, mom, <laughs> for that. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm born even though she's back with the Mexican man. And it's obvious that I am not Mexican. Um, one of the things, like, even if my skin tone didn't give it away, like a side fact, my biological father, he had an extra finger when he was born. And okay. I also had an extra finger when oh, I was really? born the same way. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't mm-hmm. tell you about that. I had this little bump on my hand. Got it removed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see that? It kind of looks like everyone's like, oh, is that a war? I'm like, no, shut I up. I've never noticed it. Oh, I forget it's there sometimes until like uh, it's brought up. People, but like there was this girl one time when I was in sixth grade, side note, she like touched it. It's like, did you have an extra finger? I was like, oh, she knew. Like most people are like, ew, what is that? But like I got it removed. I just have like this. I know? really can't tell. Yeah. you. For, I forget it's there. Yeah. But um, yeah. So, so my you mom, knew for a fact that. The Mexican, I love how you call him Mexican man. Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah, I usually, yeah. I usually say he's my dad, and yeah, then like yeah. my biological father is my father. Right, right, right. Or you know, but sometimes for like clarification when I'm talking with my yeah, friends, yeah. I'm like Mexican dad, yeah. black dad, bio dad, Mexican dad. I got gotcha. you. But um, yeah. So, but my mom was back with um my dad, the Mexican dad. So on the birth certificate, she's like, oop, she's not her, oop, she's Mexican, and um, they ended up divorcing anyway when mm-hmm. I was a baby. Um. And my parents had, like, dual custody. So, like, I would go to my dad's house every other weekend. Mexican dad's house every other weekend. So, I grew up, you know, in that culture. Like, I'm not fluent in Spanish or anything, but I picked up on it a little bit. My dad didn't really make too much of an effort to teach me. And my mom didn't know Spanish when she was with my dad. She actually learned it 
after they split up through like other boyfriends and like people at work and stuff and she never really helped me learn spanish so i'm like guys i need help but um so yeah so i grew up thinking i was mexican until i was almost 15 and then um my sister you know she's grown by then she has kids and i used to go babysit for her and one time i was waiting on my mom to pick me up i was 15 so i wasn't driving or anything so waiting on my mom to come pick me up after my sister had gotten off of work because i had stayed at her house to watch the kids and we were just joking around on the couch, like making jokes. And I was like, you know, my mom was really pulling hoes back in the day. And uh, I'm the milkman son or son. Oh, my God. I'm a woman. <laughs> no. We know what you mean. Yeah. We got you. I'm the milkman's kid. Yeah. And um, I'm actually black. And she's like, uh, my sister does this thing when she's really uncomfortable where she kind of like smiles. Like, well, don't be mad at mom, but you're black. And I was like shut up no i'm not like we have the same dad and she's like no like i'm i'm being serious but kind of like smiling but like you're black don't be mad at mom don't tell her i told you don't say anything you're black and i and at that moment like i don't want to say i felt gross because that is not the accurate 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 word but um i felt foreign in my skin uh because i grew up and people would ask me oh which parents black which no one should ever ask you that, but you know, I was asked that as a kid and like people would touch my hair and like I hadn't been called the N word a couple of times growing up and I was like And even then like it didn't really like click like It didn't click. Like yeah. I I had suspicions that something was off. I was trying to figure out if I was adopted, like maybe they found me on the street or like something like but it never registered to me that I was not Mexican. Right. Because why would my dad lie? Like why would my mom lie? Like just as a kid, why would your parents lie to you? And whenever those are the people you're supposed to be able to trust the most you that's like not even like something you process yeah like, you can't even fathom the yeah. fact the the possibility of them lying to you yeah especially about something as big as that like it's one thing to lie about my dad but also lie about the fact that some culture the culture i grew up in is doesn't belong to me mm-hmm. um and i already was growing up feeling like not mexican enough not white enough and everything and now now i'm in i'm even to this day i'm 24 i've known for ni- nine years now um to this day, I don't feel black enough. I don't feel white enough. I don't feel Mexican enough. I'm just somewhere on the sideline. But, like, I feel like while it was kind of traumatic and stuff, what the, like, falling out and, like, figuring things out, it also, like, helped me understand things from a different perspective and um, helped me, like, find, like, parallels between black culture and, like, Mexican culture because I did end up meeting with my biological father. Um, we're not really on the best terms. But, um, you know, I also, like, know my siblings, most of them from my dad's side. I'm actually going to go see uh, two of my sisters next week and, like, catch up before I move. Um, Not your sisters, are they, is your, are those your Mexican dad's kids? Uh, like, biological kids? So, that's a, that's complicated, too. Okay, uh, my, another... my, my Mexican dad had three more kids after me. Okay. Uh, a son named Beto Jr. Um, I'm not in his life. His mom um, wasn't really the best woman and stuff, so there's, like, a lot of complicated stuff there. Um, so, I haven't seen him since he was little. And then uh, my dad is now remarried to... Uh, Mexican woman okay and has like two two younger daughters who I haven't seen since they were babies um but my biological dad I'm the youngest as far as I know because he likes to lie a lot so there could be more of us but um he has four four kids before me and my I met my oldest the second oldest refuses to believe that my dad has other kids even though we literally all we all look like him and then the third oldest is another daughter and then there's a son um and I've met them and everything so it's it's whole complicated people ask me how many siblings i have i'm like enough, enough. that's my response <laughs> enough <laughs> uh, well so i guess how many siblings are you actually like i guess close with 
uh two the ones i grew up like so knowing two. for sure okay um but i i'm making an effort um for like my dad's kids my biological dad's kids um to have connections there because it's not it's not our fault our dad was the way that he was but maybe we can try and fix things so you haven't really um communicated with them all that much no like i've met them i met up with them in person a couple times um i stayed at my oldest sister's house before she's um she's older my dad is my biological dad is older so my oldest sister i think just turned 40 this year um so like we've hung out and then we're gonna catch up again next week and stuff she was actually really nice because um my oldest sister's lesbian so whenever i was like figuring out oh maybe i like men and women and stuff she was all like i knew that i met you and i knew that so um this is really nice to have someone on your side that was also family and like accepting and things right yeah you can like kind of relate to Mm-hmm. When you're trying to figure stuff like that out, yeah, mm-hmm. that's nice. You say that um that you felt like you weren't a part of like the culture, I guess. Once you kind of figured out that revelation that you know the dad that you thought you had wasn't really your your biological dad. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. That's kind of that's kind of um weird to me because you know I feel like that was your culture. You know, if that's what you had known since you were a a kid. I mean, it's kind of like the whole um. Like Tarzan thing, like you know, mm-hmm. you take a baby away from like they're human and like they they're raised with gorillas, and mm-hmm. you know, even though they may not be a gorilla, mm-hmm. you know, that's all they know. Not to that's... compare my family to <laughs> no, of course not, of course not. No, your family in this instance will be um, the Mexican family, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's yeah, just... but that's what I mean, like fish out of water kind of thing. But that's all you know, so it's not it's not so much like you. Nobody get, nobody ever has the right to tell you, you know, it's up yourself. You know, because you're the only one that can actually feel like maybe this is not really my culture. But, you know, from the outside looking in, I feel like nobody should really have a right to, like, tell you, like, hey, that's not your culture. You know, you don't have any belong in it, you know. Yeah. It's, it's just complicated because, like, if I'm an outsider. Like, people told me all the time growing up, you're black. Your mom lied to you and stuff. I'm like, no. And I know, like, it's obvious now. Like, now that I've, you know, been awoken and, like, stuff like that. Like, oh, oh I'm definitely black. Like, look at my hair. Um, But, like people don't know that seeing me walk down the street so like i don't want to like claim i'm on the fence it's a really complicated thing like i don't want to claim like mexican culture and then people be like oh that's cultural appropriation or like you're doing something you shouldn't be doing but also i didn't grow up like like i grew up around i have like black friends and like things like that so i it's not like i wasn't not exposed to black culture and stuff um but um you know i feel like i'm not black enough and stuff and i didn't grow up thinking i was black so like sometimes i feel like i don't like, am I allowed to, like, embrace, like, being black and, like, things like that? And, you know, like, I just shouldn't really worry about other people say, but, you know, I don't want to offend. I don't want to do anything I'm not supposed to. And also, but, like, I also don't fit in with white people 100%. If anything, like, it kind of backs you into a corner, like, having, like, these three different experiences because um, I guess people feel safe with you to say some things that they shouldn't say and stuff, like, I can't tell you how many times I've been told, like, oh, well, you're not that black or, like, you're not that Mexican, so I can say this. Or, like, they'll say something, like, problematic about, like, racist, not even problematic, there's something, like, yeah. racist about black people, Mexican people, uh, or just Hispanic or Latinx people in general. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, but not you. I'm like, well, uh, <laughs> actually, yes, but me, yeah, including yeah. me. Yes, exactly. I'm a part of that. So it's, I don't know, it's it's very weird. And, like, I joke about it. I make jokes about myself all the time. But, like, you know, it's the stuff I'm going to have to unpack for the rest of my life and learn to be comfortable with. But I always, uh, when I first met you, when I heard like your last name, like my my mind, it was like, 
automatically went to like, oh, she's probably Dominican. <laughs> yeah, that's you know? what my that's what one of my friends. She's uh, yeah. she's Nicaraguan and Cuban. She's yeah. like, oh, I just thought you were Afro Latina and like maybe like Dominican. Exactly. Or something. Yeah, because that's who I'm. Like I said, because my you know, and I wish you know, I can't force anybody to think this way, but I wish it was more common to know like, hey, like just because you're a different skin color, you happen to have a Spanish last name, doesn't mean you know you're. It's like the super super like in depth. Like, no, you could be from like you know Cuba or Nicaragua or Honduras, whatever it may be. They don't always have to be like this weird anomaly kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like when I first heard your last name and I and I looked at you, I'm like, okay, yeah, I see that she's like obviously black. Yeah, and I'm like, she she's probably uh, I don't know, she's probably from uh, the mountains of uh, <laughs> of of Venezuela or something like that. I don't know. She could be from anywhere. Like you know, it doesn't really matter. Now, growing up, uh, would you say it was predominantly? Did you get? I guess did you get uh, more in touch with the Mexican side or? Like the wider side of your family? Uh, definitely the wider side, just because my mom had like the main amount of custody over us. Okay, okay, gotcha. And then like going over to my dad's house, I, I didn't know Spanish, but like I hung out with my cousins like when I was little. I understand. I understood a lot more like when I was going there more frequently and stuff. And like I actually taught my, I didn't know this, but I taught one of my cousins English growing up. As a kid, like I don't think back. I'm like, was he talking to me in Spanish? And I was just teaching him English. <laughs> we were just playing Power Rangers outside. And stuff. So, how did you, so how did you like? Were you like, did you realize like, okay, he's obviously not speaking English. No, the thing no? is, I didn't realize he wasn't like not speaking English. Because as a, as a kid, I feel like you don't really differentiate the languages. It's like, you're just talking. Like, you're just talking with each other. <laughs> and then uh, we're the same age. He's two months. Um, we're two months apart. He's two months older. Okay. Um, So we lived in the same area. His mom, even after my mom and quote unquote dad like split up, his mom would like babysit us uh, or babysit me. And like, I would just play with him and like stuff like that. And we started pre-K together. Um. Yeah, he was just my friend. He was just my cousin. I didn't really think about like, okay, I'm going to talk to English to him now. And then I'm going to talk to Spanish to him now. We we're just talking. If anything, we're probably talking Spanglish. But I don't remember. I don't remember our conversations. I just remember like the fun we had, yeah. you know, and stuff like yeah, that. Like, yeah, because like you said, yeah, you are a kid. So it's not so much of you thinking like, oh, this is a different language. How mm-hmm. should I interact around this person? Yeah, it wasn't thing. until I was older that I was made aware like, oh, I'm not speaking Spanish. And then like I got really insecure and like. You know, you know, Mexicans are, they laugh. Everyone teases you and everything. But at the time, like it didn't register to me because laughing, being laughed at, you know, normally does not, it's not a good thing or like a thing to be equal, like, or not equal, but like a thing that makes you feel good. Yeah. You know, so I got really insecure and I just would quit trying to speak Spanish, which I wish I didn't. I wish I didn't get my feelings hurt so easily as a kid, because if I would have just like toughed it out, I feel like my Spanish would be a lot better. Yeah. You know, and um, if I just, so I would just like. When I got older, I would just hide off in my room at my dad's and just read books all the time or go off. If we like we went to parties and stuff, I'd go hang out with my cousins who could also speak English and um, stuff like that. So I didn't really make as much of an effort because I was like, well, I'm just going to get laughed at. So, no. (laughs) Now, you grew up in Rusk, right? Uh, No. West Rusk is Rusk County, but not the town of Rusk. So it's not the town of Rusk. It's It's Rusk County. Yeah. I was born in Longview. It was New London, right? Yeah. Okay. New London's where I graduated from. Okay. And that's, but that's not where you grew up? That that was just a school? Yeah. Maybe for like sixth grade, sixth grade, your graduation was West Rusk, New London. But um, I grew up in Longview for a little bit. And then I moved to this place called White Oak, which is really close to it. And that also made me aware of my differences because that was a predominantly white community. It's a lot different now. But growing up, there weren't any Mexicans. There was like one Mexican guy in my grade and then uh, a girl that was half Mexican and then one black girl that was completely black and then one half black girl. And I actually ended up being kind of good friends with the half black girl. And um, 
I went to her birthday party and I remember my mom was talking with her mom, who's also a white woman. It was like, so what do you use on uh, Kadrian's hair? Like, what do you do with like this? Because we also went to the same church. So like they got to talking and stuff. And then this should have been a clue when I was younger. We went to the black hair product section and at Walmart. And I was like, mom, why are you getting this for me? I don't need this. I'm not black. Like, it's only black girls on the boxes. Like, some just for me, like, perming kits or something. The pink, mom, lo- the pink lotion and stuff like yeah, that. All yeah, all that yeah, stuff. My yeah, mom yeah. tried whenever I was little, but she kind of gave up on it. So I've kind of been learning as I got older to take care of my hair. But she did try when I was little, and, like, she would talk to, like, people to figure things out. But, um, yeah. My Aunt Maddie, whenever – my cousin Daniel's mom, uh, whenever I'd go over, she would, like, get so excited to work with my hair – and I was like, why is she just, does she not work with hair like this? Because my mom used to always tell me to go have her brush my hair when I'd stay at my dad's house. And um, she would like experiment and like do all this stuff. And I just realized, now that I'm older, I'm like, oh, she was playing hairdresser because she just gets a touch of black hair all the time. Yeah. So, Well, I bring that up because like where you grew up, because I think, I think a lot of people don't realize how, at least, especially now, how heavily Hispanic um east texas is mm-hmm. you know i think when people think of texas they think of like houston they think of like you know the, the the valley you know the border towns um even west texas you know where they'll pass on all that so and dallas and and fort worth and the northern texas area but i think a lot of people not aren't too outside of texas at least aren't too aware of like the heavily hispanic population here but then especially east texas where it's like kind of like cut off from like the rest mm-hmm. like how prevalent it is there yeah uh like so i just want to know like like did you see it like early up like like crap like especially for like for me like when i started like growing up and like really uh knowing like okay what it is to be mexican or like you know or how i perceive like the mexican culture and i would like start reading about other places like you know california or like florida and like being like oh these places have huge Hispanic populations and i think about like t- um tyler you know east texas and all that i'm like man like there's probably a lot of people here who are Hispanic, but this place doesn't seem like it was like ever meant for us kind of thing. Right. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, for sure. I uh, I guess in White Oak, it's like predominantly white. But then when I moved to New London, there were more Mexicans in my grade and like more black people and like more diversity and things like that. But um, yeah, I, I feel like East Texas Mexicans are like different than or the Hispanics in general. That's what I wanted to say. So Growing up in East Texas, I didn't know that you could be Hispanic and not Mexican. Like, they don't talk about that. If you're brown, you're Mexican. Oh, you're from Puerto Rico? No, you're Mexican. Oh, you're from, like, Honduras or whatever? No, you're Mexican. And I didn't... The education system, like, they don't really teach you that either. No one really talks about, like, uh, South America or, like, any of the islands or, like, anything like that. No one tells you anything. So, like, you have to learn all this stuff, like, on your own, like, when you're older. And I didn't know, like, there was a difference between, like, Latinx and Hispanic and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, or that uh, people in Brazil speak Portuguese, yeah. not Spanish, and things like that. I had to learn that as I got older, um, which is showing you how bad the education system is here. But that's another story in itself. But, um, yeah, I just feel like um, in East Texas, like, there needs to be kind of, like, I don't know, an education to, like, learn about uh, not only, like, Mexican culture, but, like, there are more two hispanics than mexicans yeah, you know exactly especially like i said like with the with how huge the population is now like mm-hmm. it's insane when you think about it like i think i saw recently like i know when i was going to high school to john tyler i think the the population like the demographic i think hispanics were i think outnumbering 
black students at that point. Mm-hmm. So I think it was like, and, and John Tyler's anomaly within itself because it's predominantly minority kids, and it's like because well, it's on like the south side of town, right? Yeah, or uh, north, north side, side of, north, north, side of north side of town. Yeah. So it's like, I think it was like maybe forty three percent Hispanic and like thirty eight, thirty nine black, and then the rest was like small percentage of white people, mm-hmm. uh, Asian, uh, Native American, whatever else in that pocket. Mm-hmm. Um. So just just knowing that at that time was already crazy. Mm-hmm. And now looking at it now, I'm just like, man, this is like an influx. And it's like, you know, it's amazing. It's cool. But I'm like, it's so crazy. Because I remember I, I would, I would uh, ask my dad and my mom sometimes. They'll be like, man, there was like hardly anybody here when they got here. Uh, my dad got here first because he got here in the 80s, in like the early 80s. My dad too. And then my mom got here like in the late 80s. And they would tell me like, yeah, there was like this part of town didn't exist. And there was hardly like any uh hispanics you know but then like out of nowhere like this giant wave kind of came over mm-hmm. and it's kind of like just been on the rise and the rise ever since so i don't know i always find stuff like that like really crazy because i'm like man what gravitated y'all to like this part of uh texas kind of thing yeah well families everyone's it like rejoining family. with their yeah. family because like yeah. my dad he came here like your dad in the early 80s and then like slowly but surely like i remember when i was little um some of my cousins would cross the border my dad would be like uh, that's your cousin so and so. I'm not gonna say their names, but that's your cousin so and so. And I was like, oh, okay. He's like, yeah, he, he uh crossed the border and like all that stuff, and like now he's gonna be living here. And then next like a couple months go by. Oh, that's also your cousin. He just got here from across the border too. And I was like, okay. And then it just like kept kept growing, you know. And um, I feel like that's it because we have large families, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I think they just see, like, a pocket of, like, somebody who's already in the States and, like, whoop, that's where we're going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we're going to stay there. Yeah, but that's cool. Like I said, I think you probably have one of the – like I said, I don't want to, like, consider it, like – because it's not strange or anything like that. I think it's just circumstances. Yeah, it's very odd. Yeah. It's not normal. It's not yeah. common. Yeah, um, it's not common, but I would never, like, call it, like, strange or weird because I'm just like, no, it's just things that happen. It's out of my hands. Yeah, exactly. Like, you had no control over, like, how you were going to come into this world and yeah. everything else that was going to, you know, revolve around it. Yeah, I'm definitely not ashamed of it. It's just more like the only concern I have now is like if I were to have kids or something to track family history, like how do I go about fixing my birth certificate? I don't want to change my last name. I I want to have my dad's last name because that was my dad. But like as far as like tracing like medical history, family history, I want someone down the line to know that, hey, your great great grandma, Rebecca, was not Mexican. Yeah, She's black. This is a family history you need to be looking at, you know. So I need to look in the legal work to that. So. But I mean, other than that, like, I'm cool with being a Nahara, Nahara, yeah, Nahara, whatever. Yeah. Next topic. Uh, so recently we're recording this on May 8th, and so that means a few days ago it was actually the yearly celebrated Cinco de Mayo. Um, what has your experience been with Cinco de Mayo in the past? <laughs> I feel like white people celebrate it more than yeah, <laughs> than exactly. everyone else. Like I actually last, so last year I was still working in food. I was working at uh, Panera and one of my coworkers, she's, she's Mexican and <laughs> she came to the back and told me, she's like, well, you won't believe what, uh, I'm not gonna say the manager's name, what the manager just said to me. I'm like, what he came and he came up to us. Also, this was when the pandemic was, you know, like more at its height. Things had just opened up. Like Greg Abbott just opened up restaurants and allowed yeah. things to start going back to business. Um, uh she, our manager had gotten up to my friend and was like hey me and my family celebrated cinco de mayo yesterday and we went to jalapeno tree <laughs> we went to jalapeno tree and she was just like okay thank you 
for that. It was just really awkward. And like, he was already an awkward dude, too. Like, thank, and thank you for your patronage at another restaurant. Yeah, like, <laughs> we're just like, is that supposed to make us? Is that supposed to make me feel better? Is that you saying like Mexican I, I power? Y'all. Or I support yeah. you. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It was just really weird. And I feel like, literally, I the only people I really see celebrating Cinco de Mayo are like even some of my white friends. Sometimes like, oh, we should go get margs and tacos or something. I'm like, can you like? <laughs> We can do that any day, yeah. any day. It doesn't have to be Cinco de Mayo and stuff. I, yeah. I don't know. And like, actually, like, like, like a few days ago, I was like, kind of thinking the same thing. I'm like, should we go do that? I was talking to Veronica. I'm like, should we go just because I'm like, I feel like there's something like as a Mexican, I just want to see like what it's like because mm-hmm. I've never done it. Like mm-hmm. that whole like taco and margarita kind of thing. Yeah. I'm like, I just want to go see what it's like. Uh, and then we kind of got caught up with something else and we didn't end up going. But regardless, like, yeah, it is a very, it is a very American, American holiday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the only place that celebrates it in Mexico is um, Puebla, where the actual holiday itself is um, based on. So the the for people who don't know the the holiday is based on the this I think was 1862, and the French uh, forces came over to Mexico. Uh, I think they were trying to take over some sort of port. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, long story short, the Mexican forces were actually able to outlast them and beat them. Mm-hmm. And so it was like this big symbolic victory, you know, because Mexico at the time wasn't really like the biggest military and French at the time, of course, like it's like this huge powerhouse. Mm-hmm. So for the for the Mexican military to get a win over them was like this huge, huge thing. And it happened on the, the 5th of May. So that's why they still uh, celebrate it. But also, I, I and this is what I just learned recently. I think the reason why it's so big in America is that I think it was something where, like, some European forces, or I think, like, the, the Confederacy, because this is 1862, so, like, the Confederacy at the time, you know, American Civil War was going on, it was, they were trying to divide the plan to where they were, like, I think it was at the time where they were, like, all right, if we can't win the Union, we're going to start going to, like, Central America, Mexico, and try to set up shop there. Mm-hmm. And I think if the French would have somehow beating, beating the Mexican at that Battle of Puebla, mm-hmm. the, the Confederacy would have, like, gone down there and, like, try to save up, like, try to set up, like, a safe haven. Mm-hmm. So, because of that, because the Mexicans were able to outlast the French, um, I guess the the Americans were appreciative. The, the the North was the Union. So, because of that, it's sort of like this thing: like, thank you, Mexican people, for helping us <laughs> out by uh uh due to circumstances or however you want to say it, um, and preventing the South from expanding. You know, because a lot of people don't know this, but like the South, the Confederacy was like trying to like expand, and like in the in the Caribbean, they're trying to like set up shop everywhere because they knew they were like, "Hey, if we lose here, we gotta, we're, we're, we're getting the hell out of here." Yeah, yeah, got a blast. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I think that's where it comes from. I think that's it's pretty much uh, it's pretty much America's way of saying like, "Thank you, Mexico." Yeah, <laughs> that, that's good it. job. So, yeah, I'm thank so. you for stopping <laughs> for for uh, preventing uh, a greater um, expansion. You know, manifest destiny kind of thing, but with the South point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I think that's where it comes from. Right, and that's why America. Even though if they don't know the history, that's why they love. That's why it's so some uh, so, so much of a of a bigger deal mm-hmm. in the in the states. It also helps capitalism. I'm like it every, does. everyone wants to buy a sombrero, which they shouldn't. But you know, people want to buy sombreros, tacos, things like that, like whatever is Mexican for them. You know. Yeah, and me and me, uh, Veronica, were talking about how the um, I'm very I'm very split on when it comes to like stuff like that, like sombrero, the poncho, the the fake big mustache, because. Part of me is like, there's bigger issues out there. I shouldn't give my energy to little frivolous small stuff like this. But then there is that other part of me where it's like, I think it's really important to like really sit down with people who 
you know, especially white people who may, you know, and they may just be ignorant. You know, they may just not know. A lot but, of them are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not like they're trying to do something to like outright offend you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's important to like sit down, like really educate them. Like, hey, you know, a lot of these like the that look really stems from like stereotypes of like the bandit of like the right. the dangerous Mexican that's right. like trying to like steal American land. You know, it's, and it's like really keeping up this uh that image, you know, that Mexican people are dangerous, that, you know, they're not to be trusted, that they want to steal, that they want to, you know, lie, cheat, and steal <laughs> kind yeah. of a uh, kind of thing. So while, like I said, while I think a lot of time my mind straight goes to like, it's not worth, it's not worth my effort. It's, it's just something really small. You know, they're just dressing up. There is that other part of me that it just, I have to like, you know, especially if it's like around my face, mm-hmm. you know, obviously if you see on the internet, you're like, okay, can't really do anything about it. But if it's around your face, I think it is a good time to like really educate people and let them know like, hey, you can celebrate single tomorrow you want, but I think you should uh, put away the the poncho and the sombrero and right. yeah, just kind of never take that out your closet again. Right. And it starts with the small things. And yeah. I feel like a lot of people, no one wants to be called a racist. Everyone knows racist is a bad word, but like racism isn't like black and white as I guess ironic or funny as that sounds and everything but there's like layers and stuff like that and like microaggressions you know like all those little things and i feel like it depends on how you you really have to pay attention to how you address it because also people are afraid of cancel culture and people are like oh cancel culture is ruining things which there are people who try too hard there are some people who are like i'm gonna cancel this i'm gonna cancel that like have that white savior complex Mm -hmm. that's another conversation in itself yeah but i think like you're saying, like the little things like, yeah, sometimes we want to brush it off. But I feel like having small conversations with just the people around you plays a bigger role than you think. Because if everyone did that, if everyone did it with their small group and then their small group did it with their small group, it might not seem like a big change or like anything. But it steps in the right di- direction and it can change things like through like generations, you know, like you guys. I think last week y'all were talking about y'all mentioned like generational hate and things yeah. like that. Or maybe that might have been a couple weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, It's kind of like things like that, like you unlearn things slowly. Like we don't have the same viewpoints our parents did. Our parents don't have the same viewpoints exactly as their parents did. It's just kind of something like that that has to be passed down. It seems minuscule now, but like later on down the line, I feel like it'll be significant if that makes sense. Yeah. So the point of the story is Cinco de Mayo is weird. Yeah. Cinco de Mayo is weird. (laughs) I don't know why we celebrate it to this day. Um, I think, I think they were trying to push that, like actually make it like an observable holiday. I think I read somewhere that somebody was like in 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 like the, in the federal government, they were trying to make it like a, uh, like one of those day off, you know. I cannot say anything about that because I do not know. But um, I don't know either. Uh, it could have been fake while, yeah. while I was reading. But you know? uh, that's interesting. I yeah, guess. I'm just like I don't. I, I I think somebody was trying to paint it as they were trying to show like real appreciation towards Hispanic and all that. I'm just like that sounds kind of fishy. Yeah, that sounds like very very political. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but almost almost kind of tokenism. I'm like, well, if you actually want to observe it, like learn why it's celebrated. Yeah, first, yeah, like, explain that exactly. But yeah, that's it. Yeah. Next topic, though? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Next topic we're moving into. Unpopular opinion. You know it. You love it. It's back. So, mine is... I think it's unpopular. I think it depends on the culture. And I think it depends on the uh, community you grew up in. So, mine is... If your parents slash family don't respect you, you don't owe them any respect in return. Oh, that's not unpopular. I support that 100%. You think I, so? I agree with that 100%. I feel like it's very unpopular in like Hispanic communities because, it, you know, Hispanic communities are all, are all about no matter how bad your family may treat you, you should never disown them or you should never talk back to them. This very, like, very toxic, you know, very, um, oh, this 
very sick way of looking at things just because saying like you know you can never the 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 parental figure should never be disrespected in any kind of way but no i, I think that if if uh whether it be your parents whether it be your aunt you know cousins or if they if they try to like you know if they show you a constant lack of, of respect i think there's nothing wrong with you kind of like turning the other cheek and just like no i don't want you in my life yeah kind I, of thing. I support that i i actually have done that so with my family especially like in light of everything that happened last year as far as like racial justice goes because again like i said like being biracial or maybe like tri-cultural whatever <laughs> i am so the mess that i am <laughs> yeah people feel comfortable saying certain things and i have to be like no this is not okay and i'm also um one of the few people who got a higher education and stuff i had to work really hard i, mm. I didn't have any support from my fa- family or anything um and everyone's like oh you're smart blah blah blah. i don't like that being called that whatever um i feel like anyone could do anything they put their mind to right but they're always like um and you should go to college like growing up oh you should go to college and do all these things and i go to college and i have these different mindsets and they're like well no you think you're so smart don't you because you went to college and we didn't blah blah, blah. i'm like i'm not saying anything i've never said that i'm smarter than you or anything but what i am trying to say is here's another perspective um but if people are not going to be respectful or like open and stuff like no i don't want that in my life or people are going to tell me what's wrong with me or like people who have done bad things to me and stuff like why would i keep you around i don't give a sh- I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. Like, no, I don't care who you are. I'll make my own family, you know? And I think that's a a, a very uh, conflicting issue, especially with, like, Hispanic family. And probably, like, you know, um, probably any family. Yeah, you know? my family. It's my mom. My mom, like, our family wasn't the greatest mm-hmm. with, like, or her family with some things. And she still, like, puts up with them. She's like, that's what I'm supposed to do. And it also has to do with religion, too. Because my, yeah. my mom is very, I don't, I don't want to say very religious, but she's considers herself christian and she's like you know this is what the bible says oh the bible says that so i feel like people's uh i don't want to say dependency i anyone you can have you can associate yourself with any religion i'm not saying religion is bad but what i'm saying is like sometimes um that interferes people get conflicted with that and it sometimes it puts them in situations that they shouldn't be because my mom thinks this is what god wants i should put with someone but like if someone hurt you as a child or like did bad things you do not owe them anything. They are not good people. I don't care if that is like your family. You can cut them off. Cut them off. I would cut yeah. them off. I'd and like them and off. like and like you said earlier, uh, like ideology. You know, especially like when you said uh, brought up the example of like police brutality and like racial injustice. Mm-hmm. It's very hard for people to like, t- kind of like disassociate themselves from their family because you know, they start getting through these thoughts of like, well, this is the person that raised me. You know, this right. is the person that would probably never turn me away if I needed help from them. So, you know, it becomes a very, very internal struggle Right. where it's like, and even at that point, do you view that as a lack, would you say that's a lack of respect on their part for you mm-hmm. when it comes to like your thinking? Like mm-hmm. it's a very like hard thing to kind of make up for yourself. Right. When it, it comes. Yeah. So. And it's hard. Like, like I said, uh, I mentioned earlier, like racism isn't like black and white as far as like, you know, the police brutality and things like that. Uh, racism isn't black and white. No one wants to be called a racist. So I feel like whenever we have those conversations, they think I'm pointing a finger at them, like saying you're a racist. You can have prejudice, like you can have like racial, like racist views, because that's just how we were raised. But that doesn't make you a bad person if you are able to acknowledge it and like realize, hey, this was not right and everything. Let me change. But I feel like because it isn't like black and white racism, it's harder for people to understand. Um it's sorry am i talking too much no no you're fine (laughs) Uh, um it's harder for people to understand and 
things just get really hard. And then, and then people have to think, should I cut my family off because they are racist? Because if they're super racist, if they're people that still say the N word to this day or like uh, slurs towards Hispanics mm-hmm. or like, especially now um, Asians yeah. uh, and stuff. Um, yeah. Cut that person off. They know that they're being, they know that they're in the wrong and they don't care. But if it's someone who is like, like ignorant or doesn't, like just you know like just doesn't understand the more nuance yeah part of it yeah like then give them a chance you know like try and work it out don't immediately jump the gun and be like you're a bad person I'm, i don't want you i'm family. cutting you you're off cutting you off yeah, no yeah. that's not how it works because if you love that person you want to help them you want to talk talk through that thing and that's kind of how i am like more so like with my siblings like my sister especially uh my older sister from my mom uh, you know, I'm able to have these conversations with her and like talk about our upbringing and things that are like different and stuff. But like when it comes to the older generation, they've been so stuck in their ways for so long, they aren't going to listen to anyone. I'm just a kid in their eyes. I will always be a kid. I am an adult. I have a master's degree. I have an adult job. I live on my own. I've been taking care of myself for so long, but I will still always be, you know, that baby, baby Becky or whatever. Yeah. And um, so I'll never be taken seriously. And there's only so much I can do. Yeah. so yeah don't ever let the the pressure of like the family units or whatever um undermine like your your respect for yourself ultimately you know it's what it's all about you know if you you know are uh passionate about something or you feel like you're being talked to um you're being talked down on even if it's not anything to do with like race or anything like even if you just feel as as a human that you're not being respected in the way you should be, then, you know, there should be no reason for you to, you know, reciprocate that, you know, because right. obviously they weren't, um, they didn't have enough empathy for you to show you that, that basic, you know, human decency. So, yeah, I feel like there's nothing wrong with it. I feel like when we're growing up, people are always like, treat others the way you want to be treated. But then like you get older mm-hmm. and people are treating you like shit and yeah. you treat them like shit back. They're like, oh. No, like you can't uh, treat me like that. Respect your elders. Like no, 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 no. No, you taught me the golden rule, so I'm following the golden rule. Exactly. Yeah, like no, no, Granny, you ain't finna get no respect for me. You threw too many racist slurs that one Sunday. (laughs) Yeah. Let's go outside. Let's take this outside. Yeah, yeah. Let's take this outside. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yeah, come on, throw them. You know, I'm finna go SpongeBob on you. How many times we have to teach you this (laughs) lesson, old man? (laughs) I love the young people. (laughs) Oh yeah. Okay, well, what do you got? Well, my unpopular opinion isn't as, um, I guess, emotionally moving <laughs> yeah. or like challenging. I mean, me and Ricardo were talking about this before recording. Um, I was talking about how I like, I think I like the X-Men universe, like X-Men, whatever, storyline more than the Avengers or whatever, which I know people will come for me for that, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Do do what you want. I said what I said. But then like we got to talking about... Um, the newer X-Men movies, you know, with like Jennifer Lawrence and James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender. Mm. I love them. Yeah. Um, no, they're great. But, yeah, yeah. And they're very beautiful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> beautiful men. Yeah. I mean, Jennifer Lawrence is beautiful too. But anyways. Um, and um, uh, Sophie. Uh, Sophie Turner. Yeah. We're yeah. the same age. I'm like, that is not fair. <laughs> when am I supposed to get hot like that? <laughs> when, is, when is it my turn? And you got to marry a Jonas brother. And um, oh, yeah, she did. Um, and then a young storm. What's her name? Um, I don't know. I don't know her name. She's a great actress. I just can't remember her name. She play, she was in that one terrible Aaliyah Lifetime movie. I was told about that. I never <laughs> yeah. saw that movie, but like I mentioned it to one of my friends. It's like, oh yeah, she played Aaliyah. Yeah. I only I've only seen her in the X Men. <laughs> she movies. was in something else. I just can't remember what it was. But yeah. But um, we were talking about um, so I was talking about these X Men movies the other day with one of my friends, and she's like, yeah. Spoiler alert! If you haven't watched them all, I'm gonna spoil some things, so you can skip this part if you mm. want. Um. 
But in Dark Phoenix, the last X-Men movie to come out. Well, the New Mutants has come out, but that's another thing. The last, like, X-Men movie of, like, that chunk of, like, storylines, I guess. Um, Mystique dies pretty early on. And, you know, like, if you watch, like, Days of Future Past and stuff like that, she plays a big role. She is a big role in the X-Men universe. Everyone knows who Mystique is. Even if you don't know who X-Men is, you're like, oh, that blue lady. With the big titties. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Not going to sexualize her, but yes, that blue lady. Um... But uh, I found out the reason they killed her off so early is because, like, she didn't want to do the films anymore. I definitely support, like, if you don't want to do something anymore, don't do it. But when it comes to, like, movies and things like that, like, you have a huge audience. Like, these movies make millions and millions of dollars. Like, and this is a storyline that everyone knows. Everyone knows who X-Men are and, like, the Avengers are and, like, things like that. If you're a celebrity... And you're going to take on a big role like that, that you know is going to have like multiple stuff and it's going to be like a year long commitment. Don't back out of it. Like, I feel like it's kind of a, like a slap in the face to what you're doing. But I don't know why she backed out. You know, I don't know everything that's going on. So if like you're being like harassed or something or like there's something going on, it's not a good work environment. Absolutely leave it. But if you just don't want to, I don't know why she quit. Did she so ever, don't come for me. She never put out a statement saying like what the reason was. She might have. I just haven't looked it up or yeah. anything. But okay. like. If you're going to take on something that's a year-long commitment, like, don't back it up because you mess it up forever. I'm like, yeah, things could be recasted, but, like, it's never the same. Like, uh, have you watched Game of Thrones or anything? I saw the first three seasons. Okay, so, like... And I read the book. The first se- Song of Ice and Fire, I read that. Yeah. In season three, so, um, Daenerys meets this guy named uh, Dario Naharis. He, the guy that originally played him, it's a beautiful man. He was like, that is not a face you forget. Okay, you see him. And then like the next season, in season four, she's talking with some dude with like a beard and hair and everything. I'm like, who is this guy? And then like you end up hearing her like call him like Dario Naharis or something like that. I was like, that is not him. This guy's a phony. This is a phony. <laughs> like, this is this am i am i tripping and yeah, like yeah, yeah. i put it because i was obsessed with game of thrones in the beginning i like bought the first four seasons and uh i put in like a season three disc i'm like no 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 no, this is not the thing and it's just like that guy was only uh dario for one season the first guy i mentioned and then like this guy ended up playing dario throughout the whole thing but like it's such a it was such a jarring thing like it just kind of he played the role well but like come on man like it's like it's obviously a different person you know and it's just kind of he wasn't as big of a role so i guess it worked out and everything and like game of thrones ended up messing up later on so like that's just kind of like a minor mess up um but yeah like imagine if mystique ended up being recasted like that's just not cool but like they also haven't moved forward i wanted to move forward and like learn more like gene gray storylines as like dark phoenix and like things like that but, um, you know, they can't make any more movies. And also, like, the whole Disney buyout and things like that. There's a lot more stuff that comes to it. That was a big one. But, like, in yeah. any like in any movie or things like that, like, things people that like, get recasted and where it doesn't make sense, like, it's not great. Or, like, with bands. Like, bands. When I was younger, I used to be obsessed with Escape the Fate, like, mm. one of them. And, you know, like, Ronnie Radford. Oh, Ronnie Radford. Yeah. yeah. Like, he was the lead singer. With he a, has that very distinct sound. And then uh, Craig. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Came in. But, like, I mean, I understand why. Like, Ronnie had some problems, had to go to rehab. Who in jail? jail. <laughs> yeah, in, like, jail. Like, he had he had issues. So, like, yeah, like, wasn't doing great. Wasn't fair to the band. Like, replace him. But, like, Ronnie should have, like, realized, I am the lead singer to a band. I am the face of the band. Which, it sucks because everyone makes up the band. But people know the lead singer. That's always the center of attention because they're the one, you know, they're the one singing and everything. So, like that's a different they have two different sounds and everything so it's, they are it's really it, is a, it, it is a different band from uh 
What was the situations? The, what, no, that was situations. Ronnie and uh, uh, not good enough for truth and cliche. Yeah, all that early stuff, yeah. and then Craig came around in the. Uh, this, this is war our war. Is ours. This, this war is ours. Or yeah. the guillotine. The, gu- the guillotine. The, the guillotine. guillotine. <laughs> yeah, around that area. Uh, yeah. Floods. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was a big one for him. Oh yeah, yeah it, was a, it was a really completely different band at that point. Yeah. Uh, I think Ronnie didn't get the respect he deserved because I think he ushered in a new wave of, you know, that sound yes. up to this day. He's very talented. He is. That's another he's super, thing. He's super, intru- he's super influential. I feel like he doesn't get the respect he does even up to, like, this point when it comes to, like, rock well i think he also has some other issues I, I don't quote me on this i have to look it up but i think he like had some domestic violence issues am i making that up oh uh, no i don't think he did um because his his jail thing was for for drugs. drugs and but i think he had some issues oh no no, no no he 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 hit a he hit a fan with a mic stand accidentally oh. he threw a mic stand and hit it and he got he got charged for that oh okay. yeah but i don't think he's ever had any domestic violence yeah issues but I no. just feel like if you're gonna be in like roles like that, like you need to be mindful and stuff. Not everyone gets a great comeback. Yeah. Like Robert Downey Jr., he got a great comeback. Oh he yeah, had he comeback did. as Iron Man and like yep. everything. But like, no, or like if people are like sh- just shitty people, people that are bad people, like R. Kelly and like things like that. Like well, the guy done, from like, um, bad things. L.A. Dying, the guy. Uh, yeah, he killed he, someone. He's a murderer. Well, not, not him. Oh no, that's Trey. He, he 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 no the no, guy no, the lead singer of L.A. Dying hired a hitman to kill his wife. Yeah, that's what. Bro, like what the. Fuck! Like, I remember reading that, and I was just like, "Isn't this a Christian band or something like that?" Yeah, like, is this is this fake? Yeah, <laughs> is yeah. this a, something like someone shared on Twitter or something? I don't know. Yeah, it was just insane stuff. But I mean, but I like Ronnie. He's in a. I don't know how this turned into a escape the phase Ronnie curve, but he's yeah. a, a Fallen, Fallen in Reverse. In reverse. Yeah. yeah, which is they're they're good in their own right. They have they have some really good songs. Yeah. Right, but yeah, back to the X Men thing. <laughs> but no, uh, that just kind of like segues into like shitty. Not saying Jennifer Lawrence is shitty. She is no. I'm not saying that. But like, it just made me think of like people who are famous who like take advantage of that and like can like disappoint fans and things like that like i hate that shitty people can be talented like ba- but bad people are not allowed to be talented have you ever seen a hitler painting hitler was a great painter but mm-hmm. he murdered like is responsible for the death of yeah. millions and millions of yeah. people i'm just like no if you're a bad person you should not be allowed to be gifted i don't <laughs> like that that's not fair give me your gifts give you say evil and you die you're gonna treat them like the uh like the monsters in Space Jam, just take all their talent yeah, from the, from, the yeah. from their basketball. Yeah, give me the give me R. Kelly's voice. I don't care if I sound like a man; I'd still make money. <laughs> yeah. I can just be incognito or something, but like, or like something like that, or like Drake. Drake, I love Drake's music, but Drake, Drake is grooming. He grooms people, and he's he like does. Kanye West. I love old Kanye. I know you're a big Kanye fan, uh, yeah, but Kanye. I love like old Kanye. I still and, love like, Kanye. Stuff like that, but he. He's a t- he's a lunatic. Slavery is a choice. What's a choice, brother? If you do not shut your mouth, and I there, I don't know. And like Usher, Usher's talented. Usher gave out those fake ones with his face on it. Did you hear oh, that? Was that? that was fake. Oh, that was fake. Oh, that, that was fake. Yeah. But he also yeah. had that sexual, uh, the STD like skin. That was fake too. A while back. That was that, that, was, fake that was fake too. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Usher. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Usher's good. Now Trey Songz, that's a different story. He's Trey. had a lot of like domestic violence stuff that a lot of people never talk about. Or like uh. Oh, I didn't know that he did yeah. violence. Oh, yeah, no, he's been he's he's been charged with like I don't think I don't think they've ever been charged, but he's been a lot numerous times like accused, ac- accused uh, like a lot like more so than like your occasional like oh she could be lying. Mm-hmm. No, this is like it's I think consistent. there's something going on. Or yeah. like Chris Brown, but the whole yeah. Rihanna that was like really like scarring to me as a child because I was in love with Chris Brown growing up. I had a poster of him on my wall with him in his little red hoodie and like a little fist yeah, cap, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I loved that poster. I loved Chris Brown. I bought Wall to Wall or exclusive because Wall to Wall was yeah, one of my favorite songs. Yeah. I bought exclusive. That was one of my first CDs, and then like when I 
and I loved Rihanna too. And then like when the whole like thing happened, I was like, no, like celebrities aren't allowed to be bad. They don't do that. I was young at the time, yeah. you know. So like this was like me learning that not all adults are good people and like things like that. Not all celebrities are good people. And I was really conflicted. And I remember I took down my Chris Brown post. It was like dramatic, like a scene in a movie. I like ripped down the poster and just like, you know, like balled it up and everything. I was like crying. I'm like, I loved Chris Brown, but he would beat me up if we were married. <laughs> You took it there? Like <laughs> I, took it there. I was like, I couldn't date him because he would beat me up. But like, you know, that's how I processed it as a kid. Of yeah, course, yeah. it's like much more like significant than that. Yeah, yeah. Like it's really shitty. And I just, talented people should not be allowed. Be so talented. To, yeah. Talented people should not. I mean, shitty people should not be allowed to be talented. Yeah. Give me the talents. I will try to be good. Uh, but then again, I feel like talent also makes people gives people like an ego yeah ego leads to people being shitty because they only think about themselves. yeah and they feel like they are untouchable in a lot of things well like well i gave you you know i gave you 12 play talking to r kelly i -hmm. gave you the chocolate factory like i gave you all these great Mm -hmm. albums how can you possibly hate me or like that podcast uh not the pod oh yeah that podcast y'all were talking about last week how they couldn't even be in the same room or like things like that or maybe that's something else i was talking about the other day the joe button or oh yeah 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 Yeah, how like all that stuff yeah they left they left the podcast yeah Yeah. there's so much hostility because people just don't know how to work together yeah i worked in fast food and i had to work with people i did not like but i sucked it up because it was my job you know like and that's just how life is like you are not going to get along with everyone like don't put yourself above it you're not too rich you're not too good of a celebrity you're not too talented to not deal with someone just deal with and just don't be a crappy person yeah just don't be a crappy person maybe look inwardly and realize maybe i am the terrible person here like i don't know that would uh, that was a lot of unpopular opinions, but you know. <laughs> yeah, I think that was like four wrapped in one. Yeah, but we got them all out. So last topic, my favorite topic, because I get to talk about just normal, normal things that are not too serious. <laughs> uh, good looking out glow. You know what time it is? I thought it was good looking otters. I it love is. good looking otters. It is, yeah. Slash good looking otters. Gangster looking. Gangster otters. looking. Otters. <laughs> Gangster looking otters. <laughs> That's a good one. I, never, I haven't thought about that one. <laughs> Jeed, Jeed looking otters. Or gangster looking oranges. Oranges, yeah, oranges. yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, so for good looking out this week, I have the latest uh animation uh hit. I, no, I wouldn't say hit, but it's very well received. Mm-hmm. Um The Mitchells versus the Machines. Mm-hmm. This is a new movie that's uh came out on Netflix, released by a Sony Picture Animation, and it is it's one of those movies that you know, as soon as you start watching it, it has like this different. Uh, it, it's not, I won't say different, but I, I'll, it's kind of like you can kind of feel the the setup of like what it's trying to uh, portray as far as like the characters go, mm-hmm. and it's like really playing into the the whole like millennial and like Gen Z and like this is what it's like to be this, mm-hmm. uh, and that's what you get out of the uh, the main character, uh, Katie. Uh yeah, Katie Mitchell. Yeah, so she's like an aspiring like filmmaker. She does like YouTube video. Then like in the beginning, you see like the, all this like creative person, and then you see you get to meet her family. You get um uh, Rick, who's her dad, who's uh, voiced by Danny McBride. You meet her mom, um Linda, who's voiced by uh, who's it? Maya Rudolph. Um, and then she has a little brother named Aaron, who's voiced by Mike, uh, Renata. I'm not, I'm not familiar with him, but um. And I don't think I'm really familiar with uh with Katie's voice actress. Oh, a- Abby Jacobson? I have no idea. Do you know who that is? What has she done? Oh, she was in Broad Cities. 
while like Katie is like this like very creative, very like you know upbeat, you know individual who wants to like make film, you know do YouTube videos, whatever. Mm-hmm. Her dad is the more antiquated one, who was mm-hmm. like you know it's kind of like that that uh that old story of like uh well I don't use like nowadays like well I don't know how to use a cell phone kind of dad I don't know <laughs> what a uh, technology is I don't know what social media is right. I could I can't even get to YouTube on my phone or whatever it is. And Katie's uh, the exact opposite, of course, you know, growing up in, in this day and age. And she gets accepted to this uh, college, mm-hmm. but her dad is very tough on her about it. Well, it's like, well, do you think that's a very feasible career? You know, do you see, uh, I think you should have a backup plan just in case, because I think like something like this maybe won't work out. Mm-hmm. And throughout the film, you kind of learn why he has these thoughts about her mm-hmm. and it's, 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 it ultimately comes down to like the big disconnect between Katie and her dad, and mm-hmm. and and you know once you kind of get towards the end, you kind of see that they're a lot more similar than than uh you thought they you, than than you thought they were. You mm-hmm. know, you thought that Rick was like this, like I said, very antiquated person. You thought Katie was like the complete opposite, but they're very very similar in a lot of ways. Right. But while all that's going on, you have this other you know that's why it's called Mitchell versus Machines. This mm-hmm. other thing going on where. There's like this uh uh freaking Jeff Bezos um whatever Mark Zuckerberg character type you know oh, yeah. that that's in charge of a uh, this company called Pal mm-hmm. and they're like you know the leading you know social te- media yeah social media uh technology company okay uh so they make you know and they and they reveal like this latest like robot AI that's like replacing the their current cell phone and now now it's like they're pretty much like I said robots mm-hmm. but things ensued they you know they get out of whack and the robots you know become very sentient and mm-hmm. now they're like over here trying to like take over the world destroy everything and the mitchell somehow kind of like slipped by while mm-hmm. the rest of humanity was like taken in like these like really weird like cube things mm-hmm. and they're like taken off to like this um like this prison kind of complex right. uh and like the headquarters of the technology company mm-hmm. and so now it's pretty much up to them to save the day so it's like a family dilemma problem plus a, like a sci-fi action movie of them like you know trying to save the world trying to save humanity at that point right. and there's a lot of like gags and a lot of stuff like that um that happened in between but it's a blast it's a great movie um Danny McBride's funny so yeah yeah no yeah he's hilarious and and it, and, it, and it's one of those movies where like it does bring up a lot of um you know it does kind of pull on the heartstrings a lot mm-hmm. you know but like I said there is a lot of funny movies and there's a lot of like callbacks to like like internet age type things like 2007 2008 youtube you'll see like some if you, if you know that type of youtube humor you'll, you'll see it yeah for sure mm-hmm. um i would say my only complaint about the movie is the pacing mm-hmm. i feel like it's a two-hour movie but like going into like let's say the one hour mark for some reason i felt like that should have happened like early in the movie but for some reason they only got to it like an hour in i'm like wait a minute like why this felt like We've been with this family for like nearly like three hours, and not it's only like an hour in. Oh no, it's weird. Yeah. So I I would say probably just that. I feel like pa- a lot of movies are like that lately. Yeah, like, like it, I don't know. Weird. The pacing was very weird, but uh, this is the same. Um, this is the same team that was behind uh, Spider Verse. So if you're a big fan of Spider Verse, you'll see a lot of like the beautiful animation that was using that using this. Mm-hmm. So spectacular animation, good story. Um, some good gags. Now, you know, some things are kind of cheesy, but it's not it's not enough to, like, ruin the film. Right. So, good movie. I give it a solid, I'm going to say uh, 8.5 out of 10. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I would definitely, yeah, anybody check it out, especially if like, you have kids or you have a little brother or anything like that. I think they will thoroughly enjoy it. 
Yeah, I haven't watched it, but I I've seen like it on my suggested thing. I might mm-hmm. I might I might watch that soon now that school's over and I yeah. have a little bit of time to chill and everything. Um, but my good looking out. Uh, this movie's been out for a while, and I think someone won something for it on the Oscars. I am really bad at keeping up with Oscars and like Emmys and you know all those awards and whatever. But um, I watched Promising Young Woman uh, recently, and I. I enjoyed the movie at first. I like after finishing it, I had to sit and process like, do I like this ending? Is this, but uh, for those of you that don't know what this movie is about. So um, I don't want to spoil too much, but I might spoil a little bit again. So if you need to move, uh, <laughs> we can do that. Um, but this one, this woman, she um, is a med school dropout. She was going to become a doctor. Um it turned you you find out that her best friend like that her childhood best friend they grew up together have you seen this ricardo no i haven't oh, okay not, oh then i do not want to spoil anything i don't want to spoil anything. i know the actress is the one that was in the invisible man i think yes it's right yeah. her yeah um but uh and it has um jennifer coolidge in it so if, okay. uh you've seen like the cinderella story mm-hmm. or like secret life of a, or secret life of the american teenager yeah. that lady she's hilarious she's funny um but uh, yeah, and it has Laverne Cox. There's a lot of like big name celebrities, or the guy that played McLovin. Um, I can't remember oh, his name off uh, the top of my head. Uh, Christopher Mintz Plazzi. Yeah, is that his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. McLovin. His name's McLovin. Why was I thinking of something else? Okay, never mind. <laughs> but um, yeah, it has a, and uh, Bo Burnham. Bo Burnham. Okay. Oh so, yeah, he's the one that directed it, right? Oh, uh, he might have. No, 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 no. I think it was directed by a woman. Oh yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. But, he, but um, he, I know he's like directed some movies too now. Yeah. But yeah, it was um it was a really good movie. Um this girl's a med school dropout and you find out that her best friend um was assaulted. And uh they don't say how she died, but you can assume that she killed herself after um trigger warning, sorry. After um, you know, all the fallout of the assault and everything. And I feel like well, yes, there are, it's dramatic and stuff because no one's going to watch a show that isn't dramatic, a movie that isn't dramatic and has some kind of arc and everything. Um, I feel like the way that they represent men in this film is like pretty accurate because I was also telling uh, Ricardo some of this stuff like off the air. A lot of men don't fully understand consent or don't really think about it or think that they're above it and things like that. Just because someone isn't screaming like, no, like get off of me or like things like that doesn't mean that you aren't assaulting them or like doing anything wrong. Um, so in this film, she pretends to be drunk at a bar on a regular basis every week and goes home with a guy. And though every time, every single time the guy tries to take advantage of her, they either try to get her more drunk or like they say, they'll take her home and then they'll be like, Oh, actually my apartment's right here. You want to come up and stop by? Like she's clearly, well, at least you think, you know, they think, that she is not okay. She is not sober. Like she can barely stand. She mm-hmm. can't even form her sentences completely. And then they want to either get her more drunk or they want to take advantage of her. They want to give her drugs and things like that. Um, but she tricks them. That's all I'm going to say. She tricks them. Okay. And um, a lot of the way that these men talk, like some of them seem like, oh, I don't know about some of them. Well, so yeah, some of them seem like nice guys, but then they'll say things like, um, oh, you're so pretty or like you're fine or like, uh she'll say something like no i want to go home or like i i really need to lay down and then like instead of that just being it like okay let's take her home or oh just let her lay down they still try and get what she what they want you know they still pressure her or like they just keep going whenever like clearly like she is not okay she should not be doing anything and i feel like 
at least in my dating experience, and I know like a lot of my friends, every girl knows someone who has been assaulted, but a lot of men seem to not know people who have committed these assaults. And it's because these men that think that they haven't like done these things probably have, and they just don't realize it. Yeah. It might not be as like you watched a movie and I feel like you're always like, that's so obvious. You're like, God, these guys are so corny. Like, this is disgusting. Like, but then they do the same thing. So like their home, their home dogs do the same thing. Like, you know, like, um, so yeah, I feel like the movie does like a wake up call and like the way it ends, it might not be the ending that you want, but I feel like half, halfway it's realistic, halfway it's not and everything. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to say too much and give it away, but I, I definitely recommend watching this movie because I feel like it definitely is good at showing the woman's perspective and people that you think are nice are not always nice guys, which maybe I'm just more moved by it because of like my previous relationship was not like the best i thought they were a nice guy anyone who unironically calls himself a nice guy is not a nice yeah. guy and i thought like maybe he was just weird or whatever i'm like oh, it's just a flaw like you can't have the perfect person no he was not a nice guy and like yeah um i just saw a lot of parallels between like my toxic relationship or my and my past relationship uh in this movie but um yeah i definitely recommend watching it it's um there's definitely like some comedic bits and stuff. Like I said, like Bo Burnham's in it. So, you know, it's hilarious. Laverne Cox is in it. So, you know, like her personality comes through and yeah, it's, I would probably give the movie, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to say this is too high. Cause I feel like I'm a guest. So I don't want people to be like, Oh, she thinks every movie is good or something. But I think, I think like a nine out of 10, like it's really, really? high. Yeah, that is it's high. really high. But I think, like I said, maybe it's also because it like for me, I found a lot of parallels of my life within it. So maybe from a, ma- a man's perspective, maybe not so much or anything or like someone who hasn't like experienced things like that. Not right. so much, but I feel like it does a good job of representing like how people are sometimes or can be and without even realizing it, you know? So was, is it kind of like a revenge film in some way? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like a revenge Cause I, film. Cause you know, you, you know, there's that, that, that sub genre of like horror movies, uh, like the, the re- rape revenge films, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, uh, drag you to hell it's type of like that yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. that yeah, yeah yeah so it's kind of sounds like a revenge film almost yeah it's a revenge film yeah. it's definitely not as uh scary as you think it is or anything and there are like comedic bits because like i said like you watch and like you see the men and you're like god this is so ridiculous like they're so corny they're so stupid but like it's that's literally how men are like this is one scene this isn't a spoiler or anything but like she walks by a construction site and like these three construction workers are like catcalling and like it looks like she just had like a one night stand or something she's like doing a walk of shame they're like oh walk of shame or like why don't you come over here like you know things like that and instead of like commenting she just stands there and like stares at them and like continues to eat the food she's eating and then like it makes them uncomfortable so instead of like you know, catcalling and like joking and everything. They're like, oh, why, why you gotta take things so seriously? Like, why are you getting your feelings hurt? Like, oh, fuck you and like things like that. I'm like, literally, it just shows how like fragile men are, and men are totally like that. Like, if you reject them or like you like threaten that, like, no offense, Ricardo. I'm just like, oh, men. Not all men, obviously, <laughs> but enough men to where we can say stuff like that. Um, like they're so like fragile because they're so used to like being like on top. And if you do anything that like even semi shakes, like their superior feeling and stuff, they like, they get really combative. It's like they're being backed into a corner or like really threatened. So they have to like say all these jabs, like throw all these things. Like for, I feel like for me, like some of the men's responses to like things in the movie were predictable, but like them being predictable didn't ruin the movie. It's like being predictable. Cause I'm like, yeah, I've experienced that. Like I definitely know, like, it's just how it is like it's so funny like how like right on the nose it is right you know yeah no definitely i want to 
check it out. I know it was, it was on my radar because uh, I think this movie was like supposed to come out last year, but because of uh, you know COVID and everything like that, it got pushed back. Mm-hmm. And I think it was nominated for Best Picture, but obviously it didn't win. Yeah, um, I think I think an actress or maybe someone got something. Maybe yeah, maybe yeah, maybe Best Actress nomination. I know it was nominated for something, maybe one or two awards, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, definitely, I do want to check it out. But yeah, after you gave it a very very high rating, it it does look like a very even though like it's a like revenge film. When I re- watched the trailer, it de- it does seem to have uh, enough things about it based off the trailer that it felt like an original concept. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it was definitely an original concept. Um. But yeah, I had to rent it. I actually rented it twice. I watched it um, a few weeks ago, and then I was trying to think of, hmm, what do I want to do for this podcast? So I rewatched it. So yeah, it's been out for a minute. You can rent it on Amazon. It's a little bit expensive uh, for an Amazon rental. I think it was like seven bucks. Um, but like you have it for 48 hours. So. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I've definitely gotten like $20 movies off Amazon. So seven bucks is completely okay with me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. But well, yeah, that is it folks uh i want to thank y'all for rocking with us the, this whole entire uh, second season uh 15 episodes in total uh thank you rebecca for being on the podcast thank you for inviting me sorry veronica couldn't be here and i know i do not amount to veronica's energy her very fun and loud personality but i hope this podcast was still a little enjoyable you um, are excellent in your own right don't even mm-hmm. you know you're good. Veronica's Veronica. She's you. And I mean, she, she's, she's her. Me. She's her. And you're you. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, but thank you. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Veronica, we miss you. Uh, suck you couldn't be on the last episode. But, but happy birthday. Yeah. Happy, bir- happy future, uh, yeah, future birthday in a couple of days. And we will catch y'all in sometime in June. You know, when we come back. But, you know, keep up, keep up with us on our social media in Living Spanglish on Twitter, Facebook. Uh, my personal Twitter, Mexican Natsu, uh, Veronica Vero Fuerte, and what is yours? My personal Twitter is at Rebecca Nahara42. Uh, Nahara is spelled N A J E R A 42. And um, if you don't mind me plugging this, I also have my own podcast that I recently started called, called The Black Sit Chronicles. Um, there we, I sit down and just have like regular conversations with Black Americans who have left the United States, like made their own Black Sit. Uh, to start over and escape just things that are happening here in America. We're just having a fresh start and things like that. Um, so if you want to check that out on Twitter, it is at BlackSitC Podcast. Um, on Instagram, it's just BlackSit Chronicles, B L A X I T Chronicles Podcast, things like that. And um, I'm trying to drop it weekly, but you know, we'll see how it goes. It's up, it's, it's, it's a new start. All right. Yeah. Shameless plug. Yeah, shameless plug. It was a really long plug, <laughs> but it's there. All right. So, yeah, once again, thank you all for everything. Make sure to like everything we put out, subscribe, you know, all the good stuff. You know, what we put out, just, you know, share it, whatever it may be. And we will catch you all in three to four weeks, something like that. I'm not going to put a date on it. Yeah, not uh, yeah but we'll, we'll be back, all right, Soon, sooner than later. All right. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on the show. Yep. Yep.